Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What is Portland without its thriving bar and restaurant scene? And can we rebuild it if and when the coronavirus crisis lifts? I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, a conversation with Michael Russell, the Oregonian Oregon Live's food critic, about the fallout in the dining industry amid the governor's call Monday to shut all bars and restaurants. We talked about how if some of the city's best-known restaurants may not survive this crisis, what chefs and owners are thinking about now, why they were early adopters pushing to shut their own businesses, and why takeout and delivery options didn't work for some of the city's biggest names. Michael, Russell, thanks for carving out time amid childcare and other craziness in these times we're living in. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, you have, you know, obviously you're the food critic for the Oregonian and you have been reporting in the last few days on kind of the state of our restaurant industry right now. Um, what have those conversations been like and, and kind of tell us what you're hearing from folks as they're shutting down shop, uh, to comply with the governor's orders? Well, I mean, it's interesting because I am the food critic, um, but I'm sort of a hybrid reporter critic uh, in this role, and I'm definitely full-time reporter um, these days. I, the, that, the entire idea of restaurant criticism kind of gets thrown out the window when the governor <laughs> shuts down uh, every restaurant and bar in your state. Right. Um, so obviously that happened on Monday. Um, governor Kate Brown um, initially uh, said she was not going to do anything to limit restaurants and bars in a Monday morning press conference. And then at 2.30 PM, so five hours after the morning one, she gave another press conference and said, not only was she going to put some limits on restaurants and bars, but she was going to close them all together. You know, during that time, I think during that lag, right. You, or maybe even before her Monday morning press conference, you had reported that, uh, you know, some of the, the big names and, Portland dining had decided on their own to shut it down, right? Right. So 100 chefs, bakers, winemakers, bartenders, restaurant owners had signed this open letter um, urging Kate Brown to close. And by the time I wrote about it, it was up to 130 signees. I think it's, you know, it, 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 I think it got up close to 160 before uh, she made her announcement. And of course, that seems counterintuitive. Why would you want the governor to forcibly shut you down? And I think the answer, if I can foresee your next question, is sort of twofold. Um, I think a lot of restaurant owners were hoping that a closure would allow them to access some insurance funds that were caused by, you know, uh, when when there's a civil authority closure, uh, it sometimes can unlock certain loss of business insurance. But I'm told by insurance experts that might have been a little bit misguided. And that a lot of those insurance policies actually have exemptions for uh, civil authority closures due to viral outbreaks. So that hope, unfortunately, some people were calling it a magic bullet for the restaurant industry, is 
most likely not going to um, do much for them. They were also hoping that Brown would enact um, essentially a bailout. Well, ensure that, first of all, ensure that things like unemployment benefits would actually go through for the tens of thousands of employees who are trying to sign up on the uh, website, which isn't working right now. Right, right. And uh, the uh, and then they were also on top of that, they were worried about, um, you know, from a social standpoint, they were worried about their role in potentially infecting guests who did not stop going to many of the restaurants. I mean, I was out checking out places Thursday. I heard from people Friday, Saturday, even Sunday. These restaurants were packed with people elbow yeah. to elbow. Uh, and then, of course, St. Patrick's Day was coming up. So, uh, you know, I think uh, they were as worried as, as a lot of us are about what um, what that might mean in terms of spreading the virus. You know, you'd mentioned it's counterintuitive to to say, hey, close us down. But, um, you know, ultimately, these are businesses that people you know, food is like a passion. I mean, obviously it's part of the heart heartbeat and culture of the city, but a lot of the people who open a restaurant, it's a passion project for them. They've put, you know, untold resource into, into it. How are people feeling, um, you know, now that this is real? Well, I can tell you, I've, I spoke with one chef who was openly crying. Um, his dream restaurant had closed and uh, he was, extremely upset um the uh i think that that sentiment carried across a lot of the hospitality industry um the uh that was a that was obviously a very emotional and difficult phone call um i think that's something a lot of chefs and restaurant owners are going through right now um the uh they're also weighing that against what they feel is their own social obligation to close and right And then it's like, where does the line fall? Because some of them were, uh, you know, they wanted to make the, they, they might've known this closure was coming and they would needed to gather as much money as they can. I spoke with one chef who told me he had uh, $50,000 in the bank and a $25,000 payroll due on Friday. Uh, so for, for that chef, um, for that restaurant owner, as you can tell, he had, he, he's going to make payroll this week and then the next payroll potentially and then it's in, everything after that is uh puts puts him in the in the red and i think that um he might have been honestly one of the more prepared people out there um mm. like a lot of restaurants are these are extremely small businesses they operate on famously thin profit margins and i know some of them especially in the early days operate in a lot of debt as well Right. They take out big loans to either make improvements to the space or just to, to get the whole thing off the ground, right? Yeah. And they they have obligations to investors. Hopefully landlords are invest and investors are taking this seriously enough to give these small businesses a pass on, you know, give them a little break on rent for a couple of months, a little break on, you know, the I, I know that the utilities are not going to be collecting uh, overdue payments mm-hmm. or interest or things like that. But, you know, for a lot of these restaurants, the closure means immediately stopping all payments. No utilities are going to be paid. No rent is going to be paid. And the fear among the restaurant community, which I think is completely, absolutely justified, is that a lot of these places, neighborhood restaurants that we've come to love, and maybe even well-known famous restaurants that you would think would be doing well, might never reopen. And... Why is that strictly financial? I mean, the money wasn't there to begin with. 
Yeah. I mean, it's financial. It's, uh, it, it's getting, you know, getting the ship running again after a three month hiatus, are you going to be able to hire back all your employees? I mean, say you have a, say you have a successful restaurant that might have, I mean, a very successful small restaurant could still have a hundred employees, but a lot of these places out there might be closer to 20 to 50. Um, so, you know, some of those employees are going to, find other jobs or move away or have to care for, you know, elderly relatives. You know, you just don't know. There's so many variables. And if you, in the meantime, you have sunk so far into debt that you have to close and declare bankruptcy. Uh, I mean, that's just like a very, very real thing that like the vast majority of the Portland restaurant and bar industry is facing right now. You know, what about some of these, uh, larger operations or pooled resources, you know, multiple, um, multiple restaurants, maybe like a chef stable or, um, you know, some of the other big names that, uh, that have multiple restaurants in their portfolio. Does that insulate them from risk or, um, do you get a sense that though that no one really is spared from, uh, facing the real hardship of, of potentially closing down for, for good? Well, I mean, I heard one, this was about a week ago. I heard one very well-known um, uh, Portland restaurant uh, that I, I guess I heard the secondhand, so I won't say what it was, but mm-hmm. that their landlord had sort of preemptively said, Hey, if this comes and you have to close, don't worry about rent for, um, you know, the, the extent of the closure. Now that still means that that restaurant might be laying off 30 or 40 or 50 people uh, probably without pay for the extent of this. So, I mean, that's a huge blow to the economy. Yeah. Uh, but I think there are restaurants that are probably better able to survive. Um, Chef Stable particularly, I mean, they were, they were, they were doing their best to uh, set up those kinds of rent relief provisions with their landlords and discuss this with investors as of last week. Uh, hiring lawyers to potentially see if there's some kind of insurance settlement they can seek out uh, potentially on a large scale with other independent restaurants in Portland. Yeah. Um, these, but I mean, by no means are, are even some of the flushest restaurants in town, you know, saying, Oh, this is going to be fine. You know, we're, 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 we're going to get through this. I think it's a, a legitimate fear. And honestly, they are really, really hoping that there's some kind of uh, public, bailout which they're terrified with trump meeting with the executives from you know the mcdonald's wendy's and uh chick-fil-a's of the world that when a, if a bailout does come for the restaurant industry it will be limited to fast food large fast food corporations and it won't trickle down to the small independent restaurants that frankly are what made portland's restaurant scene a thing to begin with and that's a reasonable fear, given that the president, you know, is well known for his affinity for, um, you know, <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, for Kentucky. <laughs> for the Kentucky Colonel's, Fried Chicken, yeah, and, and uh, you know the the food he gave to uh, you know the other chain for college football players. Uh, anywho, oh, something wow. we'll be we'll be keeping track of. How has this changed your experience? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's changed all of us, but uh, I mean with with uh, your beats or with food in this city? I mean, what do you, how are you dealing with all this? I mean, one, I'm actually, frankly, really impressed um, with how the restaurant industry has responded. And I'm not like a, 
rah-rah cheerleader guy for the restaurant industry. I mean, I, I don't want to see anybody, you know, lose their livelihoods or fail, but I'm not the activist out there, you know, encouraging people to go out to eat on Sunday to support small businesses. I thought, you know, going out to eat on Sunday was a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, but, but that being said, um, you know, I, I've just been very impressed with their reaction. A lot of places closed prematurely. Um, Beetroot, which is a, a newer Jewish deli in Northwest Portland. Farm Spirit, which is a um, vegan, uh, an upscale vegan restaurant in Southeast Portland. And then the big domino was Chef Stable itself announcing a premature closure of all yeah. 20 restaurants and bars on Sunday. Uh, you know, and that to me was you know, I was really impressed by that. And you, you, I guess cynically you might say that they were hoping for this insurance bailout or, you know, but a lot of them weren't even thinking like that. They were just doing what they felt was right to help prevent the spread of this virus. And, you know, even now today, I set out this morning to write a story about some of the cool like takeout and delivery options that might be available for Portlanders. Yeah. And by the time I was an hour into reporting the story, I had to call my editor and I say, you know, a lot of these places I'm calling are actually not going to do takeout because they're worried about the effect it could have on their staff, uh, uh, you know, and, and what it could do to help spread the virus. So places like Han Oak and Eam and Beast, Expatriate, Hot the Guy. Biggest names in Portland food, really. Screen Door, Screen Door, one of the most popular restaurants in Portland, the, known for its fried chicken and waffles. These places sort of tried out takeout. They realized the numbers weren't there, and then they backed out uh, in part because they just, you know, they were worried. Hey, what if one of our staff members has this and inadvertently passes passes it on to customers? You know, families bringing home meals for their family, uh, and, and and they get sick. I mean, that's the that's that's their nightmare. So I've just been really impressed with their reaction. I think they really, and I'm saying this honestly as a cynical person, I think they've really, <laughs> really stepped up here uh, in a meaningful way. And it's impressive in your story. Uh, we're talking on Tuesday afternoon that you filed where they, you know, they s looked around and you can easily count to 10 uh, in terms of how many, how many employees might be there to do a, a takeout service. Right. And that's kind of right at that level that we're being, uh, urge to avoid in terms of uh, social distancing. Right. And these restaurants, they're where us newspaper people are, are where, you know, people who read a lot, um, mm -hmm. you know, and there's, we're seeing that in South Korea and in Italy, eventually the measures are in place where we're talking about like total social isolation for family units and recommendations of staying away even from friends for seven to 10 days. Now that is not what uh, Kate Brown or even you know, Donald Trump have told us to do, but a lot of these people are sort of seeing what direction this is going in. And day by day, these restrictions are getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, and what they're realizing is if we don't want this to turn into Italy, where there's people waiting in the hallways for medical care, yeah, we have to do something now. And it has to be more extreme than just, you know, not going to Kells for St. Patrick's Day. I mean, it has to be maybe more extreme than that. And a lot of them are taking those precautions personally and, you know, isolating their families already. And I'm sure a lot of Portlanders are doing that too. Now, are they right to do that or not? I'm not a medical expert, but I know that, you know, people in countries that are further along than us have reached that point where they're doing that. So, you know, there you go. 
Uh, last one, uh, I'll let you go, get back to the kids and the family. Um, what are you guys doing for food? How are you feeding your family right now? Are you cooking, doing any takeout? What, what's uh, your plan? Well, I'm a little nervous about takeout right now after writing that story today. Um, I don't think you should be too worried uh, about it because I think that, you know, first of all, all the major delivery carriers have announced that they will leave the food outside your door. So you don't even have to have a human to human interaction. I would recommend anybody who is then taking that food inside should take extra measures to remember to wash their hands. if They're touching the, um, you know, the containers that it's coming in. Um, uh, and I have, I did that on, I think Saturday when I was working from home. Yeah. Uh, so I just, uh, th- that's my recommendation. Personally, we have been a little bit out ahead of this, at least in terms of my friendship group. Um, you know, when the first Oregon case um, hit, we went out and did a big shop and sort of stocked up our larder. We bought like a five pound bag of beans and uh, we have been, we're pretty well set to kind of hunker down. I've been doing a lot of cooking. I just boiled some hard boiled eggs using uh, the New York times, like foolproof, uh, steaming recipe where they're easy to peel and uh, you get that nice sort of like bright yellow core. Uh, So, you know, we're doing okay. Uh, Not being able to go to Belmont station for a beer or cheese bar for uh, a bite on our Sunday afternoon stroll was a little weird, but uh, you know, we'll get used to it and uh, we'll get through this. Yeah, we, we will. And I had a buddy drop off some, some beer he picked up for, for me out at level, one of our, you know, amazing breweries we have here in town where they were trying to get rid of inventory. And I did a, I did a home improvements, uh, you know, Wilson over the top of the fence, uh, interaction (laughs) and and took the beer. So we're, we're doing what we can to stay safe and sane. And, um, thank you. Thank you for uh, your reporting. Thanks, Andrew. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. We're going to break schedule and bring more episodes on different days as much as we can amid this coronavirus crisis. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps others find the program. Or dig into the archives a few weeks back and catch up on non-coronavirus stories. Tell us about how coronavirus has changed your daily life. Record a voice memo on your phone and send it to podcasts at oregonian.com. Until next time.